You wanna go to war? You got a war. You started it, we gonna finish. Yes, it is. We got levels. Awesome. All right, back once again with the Punk Off podcast. Dan Destroyer here with Chris Crude. Hola. So we got a few more things to talk about. I think we got a little more organized this time. Hopefully, not quite so over the map. Although being over the map's a little bit fun. <clears throat> well, as far as content's concerned, that would probably be all, all over the map. But as far as uh, putting a podcast down on wax, I think we've got the overall idea of how it's supposed to flow but yeah on wax content is going to be interesting <laughs> so if i start rambling just give me the cue because i'm probably just going to start rambling just to fill time that is true but we also space. got we got mini macho man proceeding over us today he's got the remote on hold down well oh, oh yeah well when it's time to tap out i'm sure he'll let us know he'll give us the flying elbow that's right <laughs> All right. Um, okay, a couple of things I want to cover real quick. Uh, one thing I mentioned JP's podcast last time, but I don't know if I actually really recommended people go listen to it. So go check out, bro. You got a podcast. Uh, check see what subjects he's got. Check it out. See what you think. Do me a favor. Check it out because if it weren't for JP, I don't know if I'd have really taken this step at least this soon. So with his help, I was able to kind of get this going. And I got the ball going the rest of the way for this this particular podcast. So go check out JP's podcast. Also, origin of the name of Punk Off. Well, it's kind of a bastardized version of Fuck Off. Uh, Chris and I are both kind of old punkers anyhow. Punk you, man! And uh, it was a screen name I had used for a long time. And the problem was is when I looked at podcast names, a lot of them that I had kind of wanted to use were already taken. The most famous one I wanted to use was Jamming on the One, which was a uh, Cosby Show uh, reference with Theo. He was trying to get, I think he was trying to get like a real phrase going. I think he stole it from James Brown. You know, it's too bad you couldn't find that one because I'm just imagining trying to do like uh, art for the webpage. We could just have a different ugly sweater that corresponds <laughs> to whatever podcast we're doing. It ends drag jello pop. All right. You're going in that direction. What do you think about all the accusations against Bill Cosby being about the oldest uh, date rapist? Well, it's kind of, I mean, that's kind of true. I just think before he had the power to cover it all up. Because he's like, who's going to believe the Cosby did that? But, you know, as he got older, he's kind of a weird pervert. So, You think that's just because it's like... uh, Get off on doing things you know you're not supposed to do? I I think so. Like, you get so much money and power that... Everything bores you, so you try and... That's kind of what it comes across to me. Getting away with something? That's kind of what it comes across to me as, because there was probably, I mean, let's face it, to a certain extent, there was probably, at least in his heyday of his comedy career, and starting to do shows, he probably could have, you know, easily enough, if he wanted 
side women like Tiger Woods got, and he could have. You know, I think I think it was just more can power you, can thing. You see Bill Cosby going into every IHOP around the country trying to get waitresses <laughs> like Tiger Woods did. Yes. So. So, but I don't know. That, that's kind of why I thought that was a little bit dated subject, I guess, for us on this. But it since, is. Since, it is, but, you know, since like you brought I said, up, but Although, I don't know, what the count was up to, like, 30-something the last time I... Because I know on uh, the Hollywood Babylon podcast, they do a count. Every time another one comes up, they'll bring it up. Oh, gee. So, yeah. And then someone does an impersonation of Cosby again. Does this smell like chloroform to you? And I don't know. So... What uh, happens when you... Stick your pudding pop into the pudding cup. Yeah, that's right. So, but anyway, the origin of the name basically was uh, there a couple other things I wanted was taken. So I just went with an older name I'd used on online, and it's kind of memorable for most people. So, so punk off. So uh, let's see what else did I want to cover. And yes, I am sitting here looking at notes because I kind of forget things sometimes. Uh, I can't read my own writing on that. So we'll just move on. Uh, a couple days ago, uh, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, passed away. And, uh, I don't know, I'll be interested to see, because uh, Money on the Bank, or Money money in the Bank, pay-per-view is on tonight, so I'm sure they'll, well, I don't know, they usually wait till Raw before they really do any little tributes, don't they? Oh, I'm sure they'll have the, they'll mention the big, it. the big video production tomorrow night. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll mention, especially with the, like, both of the dude's sons still actively wrestling, Goldust, yeah. Stardust. Yeah. But, yeah, that, Dusty Rhodes is one of those that's kind of like, well, that sucks. But I was never, I don't know, I was never a huge fan of hers. I was always aware of him, even back when I was watching in the 80s. But, I don't know, Ric Flair, I guess, always had, since they both kind of had, I wouldn't say the same spiel. But, you know, Dusty Rhodes was the, the I'm a pretty boy, even though he was... Looked like he hit every branch in the ugly tree on the way down, but I don't know what, what was your. That's 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 when people actually used to cut you. None of that, none of that, <laughs> yeah. none of that fake blood stuff. That they do. How you could tell his forehead was hit by a razor blade, and yeah, and then put out like the scrape with the cheese grater, put out with uh, rubbing alcohol. To, anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, it's like a train going by. Yeah. Sounds like it anyway. Uh, back when I was watching it, when I was younger, I was in between. He was all he was uh, regional and not in the WWF until I think the late eighties and early nineties, and I already yeah. put wrestling down by then. Kind of picked it up in the last few years because I sit around the house and <laughs> got nothing to do with wife and kids, so flip around TV or whatever. Anyway, I will give him credit for this though. He had about the best, like, masked character. I'd say the most obvious masked character. He's like the Midnight Rider. And if, oh, if, that's if, right. If you, could tell, if you could tell that dude by his body <laughs> type and shape, then just put a mask on. It's, it's, I think the only one that did a better job being more obvious was when Hulk Hogan was yeah. like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the real American. American or yes. his Captain America. Whatever. I think it was the real American, but... But yeah, you're right. The two masked men that were most obviously, you know exactly who they are. You know, I was sitting there thinking about what you're talking about that too. That's the thing is that like the rest wrestlers of, especially of Dusty Rhodes kind of era, 
those dudes weren't, they were more bulk than built than anything else. Because you think about, uh, go ahead and check it. If you... It's a weather warning. Oh, okay. like it might rain soon. Okay. But uh, Oh, maybe it's a important thunderstorm or something. <laughs> but, because, uh, you know, especially, I think Hogan probably helped introduce a lot of the guys that would really work out and pump iron, whereas, like, a lot of the earlier guys, because even, like, Bruno San Martino, while he was, like, really strong, he was kind of a, just a bulk dude. Big hairball. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I guess that was that was about all I really had for that. I just figured we'd at least bring it up. But, yeah, well, then we'll roll this right into Money in the Bank then. So, I'm not even sure who's all in the big match tonight, except I know uh, uh, Neville, the... What's his tagline now? The uh, man gravity forgot. Yeah. And then uh, no Kane's in the match, so you know Kane is probably going to help whoever the authority is backing now. And Rollins is still holding the title. Well, he's not the champ, but I think he still he stole the belt, even though he's not the champ. Yeah. Oh, you mean Ambrose? You're right. You're right. You're right. I don't watch it often enough to. Oh, I know. That's I know because I've been kind of. Because that's what I was kind of wondering if they were going to do a twist and have Ambrose get it this time and just keep screwing with Rollins. But I don't know. I have a feeling they're trying to give Neville a huge push. So I'm wondering if he isn't going to be end up being the one that ends up winning the match. For uh, It's hard telling anymore. But that's just kind of my quick thoughts on it. There's only about one or two... Really big guys in the classic uh, tradition, or the recent tradition of wrestling that uh, Vince McMahon likes. You know the big, huge dudes. You know yeah. everybody else that's been getting pushes, pushes lately, is uh, pretty much uh, all airborne and fast, and you know, and they're not big. You know, I know they had the Big E a while back, and what's that Russian dude's name? They're both. Oh, they're uh, both. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, oh crap. Yeah. Rusev. Rusev. Rusev Kroska. <laughs> now, those are about of all the people that came up from NXT. I think there's only two of them that were really the big physical guys. You know, everybody else is pretty much, eh. Reigns, Roman Reigns, okay. Every time yeah. I open my mouth, I find myself correcting myself. Yeah. This is going to be a short podcast. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut before I embarrass <laughs> myself anymore. Oh, feel free. Yeah. <laughs> Embarrassment sells ratings. That's right. People are like, did you hear this, jackass? You need to check it out. No, no. But yeah, I don't know. That was just kind of my quick thoughts. Like I said, I'm not even sure who's all in that match tonight. But well, I know I, John Zena's getting a rematch with that other NXT champ. that uh, Kevin Owens? Owens? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they'll drag that out for a while. I, might, I, might, I just might have to turn that on and stream it through... Uh, a, a friendly online source since yeah. I did not uh, subscribe to the 9.99. I don't have a problem watching it for f- free methods every now and then. Yeah, does that make me bad? No, not really. Because I mean, let's let's face it. it I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a pirate. I admit it. WWE is about as bad as the Disney company as far as just trying to get every nickel out of you that they can. Any way possible. Merch. By any means necessary? Pretty much. I don't know. That was 
But yeah. Um, well, you know, if they wanted to get the most money, they could probably, you know, just uh, I don't know, get with the times, maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> Not trying to see, seem so old-fashioned. Get rid of the handlebar mustaches. Think, 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 and, things, uh, oh. things of yes. <laughs> Fisticuffs is what they need. Good old-fashioned fisticuffs. They do the one-two step forward back, and they hold their arms like right in front of their their fists, right in front of their faces, one right after another. And be like, how about you? you good know, I, I don't I don't understand how that was ever considered good defense because if I just like punch the front fist, it's going to hit the back one and hit myself in the face. You know what I mean? It's, Maybe they didn't know so much about physics back in the old uh, days. That's uh, that's my guess. I don't know. Well, the world was flat back then. That's so. true. Operate on a different scale. All right, so moving on. Um, did you have anything else you want to cover at wrestling? No, I, absolutely not. That I haven't watched since the last podcast. I know I've been really bad just, about uh, trying to watch. And then, uh, although I did see the wife wouldn't let me watch Ring of Honor the last night. I saw it was on Saturday night. But women, I know. But uh, it may be still on. I don't know. I don't. I haven't checked. But I just figured. Since well, they'll, they'll replay it every other day on that uh, their new channel. Destination Wrestling now, yeah. or uh, Destination, yeah. it's Destination Travel, but it's between Impact and Ring of Honor now. Yeah, it's about the only programming that channel has, so they overdo it and replay it well, quite I, often. I kind of wonder if they're trying to make a move like Ted Turner did back in the uh, early '90s, where he was trying to compete with. I mean, I don't, I don't know who runs that network, but that's. I kind of wonder if they aren't trying to make a similar move, and if they just. I eventually just want to tr- combine the two franchises into some new thing. Because that's kind of what WCW was, if I remember right. They were the NWO and something else. Yeah, the old... Or not NWO. NWA. Yeah. And not the, not the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee NWA. NWA. Which, in itself, I'm not going to try and get us even further off topic, but... <laughs> Easy E off the top rope. Yes. I don't know. That would be kind of awesome. Now you brought it up. See? Just, I just imagine them busting rhymes while busting heads. Yeah, that, that, that could be the title of the next song <laughs> Sacred Cows put out. That's a good title. Speaking of which, since Chris, Chris brought that up, I'll take us further off subject. The music that you hear at the beginning of the podcast is the band called Sacred Cows, which Chris and I are a part of. We also have a CD out. Go to Identity Theft Records on Facebook. Contact them and you can get one. I did a plug. So there, it's done. Oh, and the name of the song is called Skullduggery. So listen to it in full. Skullduggery, also the name of the album. So would that be the title track? Yes, it would. It would be the title track. It just kind of fell that way. So I like it. Some songs don't need words. You just throw them samples in there in just the right spot and it still flows. It's still got the same beginning, middle, and end as a regular song would. Plus there's sometimes I just, I'm like, I don't feel like coming up with lyrics. I'll just take some favorite clips from some of my favorite movies and insert them in. And it works, so. Can't fault me for it. I can. I just won't do it out loud vocally. thanks. Well, that's the thing. I'm not really a singer um, vocalist because I don't really sing so but we'll get into the whole Sacred Cows band thing on another podcast 
Although I think we've covered probably quite a bit enough on this one. At least for now. Till next album. Or EP. Or split. Or... Okay, so something else I want to talk about. We'll go, move on to movies a little bit. Did you... Were you ever a fan of Big Trouble in Little China? John Carpenter's movie? Big Trouble Little China. Jack Burton? That, that's like Lopan and Jack Burton. Yep. And, uh... <clears throat> What's that? Uh, Egg foo. The oh, uh, the, the 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 gods of fire and the gods mm-hmm. of lightning. Thunder, and wind, and thunder, wind, and lightning, which is kind of odd. You got lightning and thunder, but whatever. Yeah, thunder, wind, lightning. So, have you heard? There's some. There's a studio that wants to do a remake of it now. Specifically, there's someone who wants to do the remake. And once you hear this, you will not be surprised. The Rock is trying to spearhead the movie. He wants to be Jack Burton in the movie. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was kind of a, I don't know, shit move to be. This, this is my thoughts on it, and I'll let you talk about it. It still holds up. There's some movies I understand they remake because they're like, oh, it doesn't hold up nowadays. But to me, I've watched it recently. It still holds up for what it is, for the story that's in it. And the reason it works is because Kurt Russell is kind of an unlikely hero in the movie. You know, you do kind of wonder, like, is this dumbass really going to pull this off? But if if The Rock's in it, you're like, oh, well, the fucking Rock's here. You, you know yeah, he's going to win the day. It's kind of hard uh, when the dude's bigger and badder and tougher than everybody else to be the <laughs> exactly. underdog. He's bigger than, you know, the three, yeah, the three gods combined, so... I mean, I, know, I, I realize the reason Rock probably wants to do it because they're going to have lots of really quippy one-liner, one-liner jokes in it that, you know, but I don't know. I, I really wish they just would not touch it. I know that to Hollywood nothing is sacred anymore. Oh, and it's just... Uh, just nothing is really of uh, artistic value anymore. It's it's just all, you know, it's always about making money, but oh, yeah. now it's even like, uh, uh, specific, like Adam Sandler movies, you know? It's like we get our little pre-molded <clears throat> press, and we here you go, here's your movie. Yes. Here you go, here's another one. Adam Sandler? Okay, here you go. Here much you... like, much like all the dance, a lot of modern, what's it, what's it called, top 40 radio sounds yeah. almost like all the same, kind of like how the new country, all the songs sound about the same. Well, yeah, it's because they use all the same writers. Nobody, and, hardly anybody writes their own stuff anymore. Well, you know, movies are getting to be the exact same way. That's true. Yeah, I had watched, uh, this is getting off subject a little bit, um, the movie Falling Down. Yeah. That I'd watched, he's, I'd watched. He's having a bad day. Yeah, I know. He just wants to go home. That's, that's it. Um, but, uh, I had watched, I had bought the DVD again for that recently, within the last year, and, uh, watched the, uh, actors' commentary and everything, and they brought up something which I had not really thought of, but they said that was actually an independent, kind of a smaller, more independent film. They said there's no way a studio would ever greenlight a film like that anymore. And I was like, well, yeah, that's kind of true, and, and that is kind of the thing anymore. There's, I... Not a lot of good movies out there anymore. At least there's not a lot. I, they couldn't have made it PG-13. They couldn't have yeah, made that movie PG-13. Exactly. That's that's the safe zone where you always make money. Well, and since you brought that up, I thought about that the other day with because uh, I was talking to somebody else about this. Uh, the movie Revenge of the Nerds. First one was R. 
And the second one wasn't. They, they had watered it down because remember there was because in the first one there was you know there was tits and and bush everywhere in the first Eve one. Cat bush. And in the second and, one, and, and there was and, none. And how many movies is the hero of the movie a rapist? <laughs> I mean, just, just because you put a mask on and pretend like you're somebody else, it's, it's, it's still rape. Oh my God, you're that nerd. Yeah, I know that is true. I had thought about that before. I'm like, that's still not really kosher, but you know, it's, they're trying to make a movie. So, what can you blame him? Betty was kind of hot. Yeah, but that was kind of the mindset of the '80s too when that movie got made too. It's just, well, do some devious means, but in the end, it'll work out all right. Johnny Hughes kind of made a career out of that with movies he made sometimes. Be the nice lucky guy and, and things will turn around for you. Or as in, the, as in the words of the famous Whoopi Goldberg so was it rape or was it rape rape? <laughs> what was that from? Yeah, I think it, was a, it was a while ago. Somebody was talking. It came out in the news. Somebody Oh, on, her, on the, her show? One of her shows. Like The View or something. Yeah. She sat around all the old crusty white women and just looked at her. That happens a lot, though, anyhow, I think. True. True. Not not to uh, downplay anybody that's been a victim of any kind of... Yeah, we did go, go a little dark there, so yeah. Which yeah, is I'm not, not, not trying to. We're just kind of yeah. got on the subject of uh, Revenge of the Nerds. I wanted to bring up how... Yeah, everybody, yeah. Thought, everybody thought the good guy, you know, was one of the nerds, but really is... Yeah, you let, let, let got me a little devious. You, let me show you I love you by making pies with your nakedness underneath it and then <laughs> raping you in the moon room. Yeah, that says hero pretty well to me. But yeah. Well, next subject, please. I said neither were in the movie for me now. I can never watch Booger run through the halls while doing a panty raid again. I probably could, but I, I'll have strong objections. <laughs> okay. So I guess I really didn't have much of a flow to a next subject of that, except... Uh, Movies. You, yeah, that was pretty much covered. I really just I kind of wanted to cover the whole Big Trouble in Little China thing, because I thought it was horse shit. So, the Can only good... Can you smell what Jack Burton is cooking? <laughs> a piece of shit. <laughs> um, that is the one thing, uh, I guess, uh, I read, though, after the whole... Thing uh, John Carpenter did say he goes well he goes if they do remake it he goes the only thing because I guess he's he's pretty much against it he doesn't really have his okay but you know he I don't think he owns the whole rights to it anymore so the studio's gonna do what they want but uh, he said the only good thing is he goes anytime anybody's tried to remake one of my movies he goes they never make any money doing it it's never anywhere near as successful as the original so. Wasn't that? Didn't he do that one crazy that Prince of Darkness? He might have. I'm trying to think. Well, yeah, you got your instant interwebs. Because I know that like they remade the Fog. It didn't do as well. Right. Um, now I just forgot the other movie that he referenced. But yeah, there's been a couple they've tried to. Re- oh, the Thing. They tried doing a remake of the Thing, and it didn't do anywhere near as well. And once again, Kurt Russell was in the original. Actually, I guess that so movie... So really, is it... Uh, yeah, it's John Carpenter. Prince of Darkness. Who was in that originally? 
Oh. Alice Cooper was in, and he was one of the crazy street bums that was I killing people. I vaguely remember and, that. Uh, that's a pretty Victor Wong. Well, he was in. He was like the guy. He was in uh, Big, Big Trouble, Trouble, Little China. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's. Yeah, he was egg, egg poo. Yeah, egg poo so, shen. So you know the cycle Big of circle. life, the circle of life. Well, I think he's got another one that's he's kind of like Lucas, where he likes using a lot of the same people and projects again if he can. Because you know Harrison Ford was in American Graffiti. When later got money, did Star Wars, Han Solo, and now Harrison Ford's all bitchy about him. <laughs> we just keep going yeah, back and forth, but you say Star Wars. You see, like some of the original screenplay screenplays came out that actually showed that. Hand did shoot Greedo first. Yeah, <laughs> I've always thought that. Anyhow, that's well, that was that's never been things. an argument. But I don't know. That, well, you must you must not hang out online. Well, Star I do. Wars I just I Star just, Wars forums. I just I just ignore it because it's just it's kind of pointless. To me, it was always hand shoot, hand shot first. That was that was it. I just thought that re-edit herky jerky thing they did in the in the last roundabout where he was like and he moved the moved the jumped the film so it looked like he moved his head and they CGI'd that crap it just looked terrible so I don't know I always thought to me it always he was supposed to be kind of a scoundrel yeah he shot first because he knew Greedo was going to take him to job with a hut I, I don't know to me it was always kind of a dumb argument but now this now this will really get us the hate email People that are like hand or not shoot first, Greedo shot first. Send all your hate email to four one nine video at gmail dot com. Or actually, you know what? If if you just have even recommendations for us, topics for us to cover, four one nine at gmail four one nine video at gmail dot com, and that's numbers four one nine video video at gmail at gmail dot com. Now we got that out of the way. I figured bring that up since it was. All right, so another there. I did the hiss thing on this one. Um, that's that was my line. Yeah, you're not you're not, stealing all my best lines. Yeah, no, that's, that's my job. <laughs> no. So uh, we had talked about the subject before about kind of, or at least I had about influences like people that kind of influenced you a little bit when you were younger, and as you got older, they're still kind of a part in your life as a far. Hey, that dude's pretty cool. I like the things he's doing. So for me, that's always been Henry Rollins, which I know you are familiar with him. Um, have you have you really bothered to keep up much with a lot of stuff he's doing anymore? Because you know he quit doing Rollins Band, right? Yeah, I. I uh, but the only time I see him now is when he's doing his uh, Undercover America series on like. Uh, was it the History Channel? I think it's History Channel, yeah. A&E or one of them where... Yeah, he's doing uh, like the 10 Things You Didn't Know and yeah, but yeah, he's doing he's doing a lot of TV work anymore. Anyway, I've been following his podcast, uh, uh, Henry and Heidi, or is it Heidi and Henry? It might be Henry and Heidi. Anyway, it's his podcast that's with him and his assistant and he kind of goes over, kind of been going over the history of a lot of stuff of like why he's doing it. But yeah, he pretty much... Went on that last tour with uh, uh, excuse me, Mother Superior, and after they got done touring, he was kind of like, 
you know what? For the first time in my life, musically, I feel feel fulfilled. I'm done. I don't feel like I can write anything I haven't already covered with at least five other songs. He goes, so at least for now, I'm done. He goes, so he just started concentrating on TV work. and So it's been kind of interesting just following along on the podcast, too, because it gives a history of, like, he was talking about when he worked at Haagen-Dazs. Right. Which was kind of interesting. So he... And he got the the most recent one I listened to was, uh, and I kind of known this a little bit, but he's friends with William Shatner, which came about through uh, William Shatner was doing an album with uh, Ben Folds from Ben Folds Five, and apparently Henry and Ben kind of know each other just through the festival circuit. You know, they just kind of wave at each other in passing. So Henry got a call from Ben Folds one day, being like, "Hey, uh." I've got a project going on, and uh, he goes, I'd like you to be a part of it. And Henry's like, all right. He goes, what is it? He goes, well, he goes, William Shatner's doing an album. He's like, okay. He goes, let me finish up this leg of my tour, and I'll fly out. So they did that, and he met William, and William said he really liked Henry, because the two of them sounded like kind of really appreciated each other's lives that they've led so far. Because, you know, Shatner, even though he's an actor, is kind of a poet at heart, and he was at least kind of familiar with a lot of Henry's spoken word stuff. So they did a track called I Can't Get Behind That, which if you get the chance later to check it out, it's actually kind of funny. So, because there's this I did, really... I did not know that uh, Rollins and Shatner teamed up. Yeah, yeah. Did not know that. Because I think, I think the name of the album is called Has Been Bill Shatner or something. It's something like that. But yeah, on the track, there's like, they've got it like a really dra- jazzy drum line going and Adrian Blue from King Crimson does some of the guitar work in it. And, but yeah, it's kind of almost like, almost I wouldn't say like a beat poet, but there's a definite like poetry, more kind of rhythm to it. But, you know, it's like, leaf blowers, I can't get behind that. <laughs> Just, the price of gas goes up. And then Henry's like, and then it takes months and months for it to come down. I can't get behind that. So the two of them kind of go back and forth and... It is interesting. I know it doesn't. I haven't really sold it that much, but it's worth checking out. So, but oh, you sold it right when you said uh, Shatner and Rollins doing the same song. So, not to get too off off subject about that, but yeah, if you ever get the chance to check out his podcast, it's pretty cool. So, but at any rate, how I kind of got into the whole Rollins thing, anyhow, was when he was. It was probably around the time Black Flag was just winding down. And I think Ginn decided he was done. And uh, I was just getting into Black Flag as as a youth. And uh, and, uh, I think, I don't remember if I picked up Maximum Rock and Roll or something, but Henry was just starting his own label, the his own publishing label. And it's the numbers, it's his birthday, but I can't remember exactly what it is. It's too... Was it 216, or whatever it is? Whatever his birthday is. It's his publishing company's name. And uh, you're just looking at me. No, like, I'm, I, don't, like, I don't know. <laughs> you're like, I, I'll take your word for it. Mary, it's... Uh, so uh, I, when I was younger, they asked... They had an ad in there, and just if you wanted to be on their mailing list for whenever they released either books or CDs or whatever, to write in, so... I wrote in and just, just like a short letter. I was probably about 14 at the time. So I wrote in and uh, 
just put a short note that you know I really appreciated all all, all the lyrics he had wrote on like uh, my war album being my favorite at that time and the loose nut those were the black flag albums at that point I was the most familiar with so and especially being a weird kid trapped in uh, Arcadia like I really identified with uh, just kind of the my war album from black flag so a couple months passed and I didn't really think anything about it and then one day I got a card in the mail and it was from Rollins it was handwritten and he's like hey Dan he goes thanks for all your support and he goes you're on that list now Henry. So, and as a 14-year-old kid, that was, to me, that was fucking awesome, because, especially at that time, we had no internet, so it was kind of harder to really connect with anybody you knew, and at that point, God knows I wrote to Slayer probably at least eight times and didn't hear shit from them, so, <clears throat> I'm glad, I wasn't the only one, I had a buddy that wrote to him, too, and he never heard anything from him, so, because they had this, if you want to join the Slayer fan club, you know, send, you know, a postcard to here, and you do that and nothing, so, he... You're getting ready to say something, what was it? The only rock star I ever wrote to is a sixth grade English project. And there's about, I think about ten other people wrote a fan letter to Michael Jackson. So, not not as cool as, uh, not as cool as uh, who you decided to make contact with. But yeah. I was a uh, sixth grade. Well, it was, it was a sixth grade, project. so yeah. 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 Oh, I won't judge. Vocally. It was the 80s. Yeah. But, uh, I was going somewhere else with this, but I don't remember. So, but but, talking, you're just talking about, like, role models and pretty much same thing like you said, growing up in a small town and before internet and everything when all you had was, like, mainstream radio and this and that playing drums all my life it's like like all my influencers are dead like like John Bonham and Led Zeppelin you know you mm. hear that on the radio all the time and I'd always put my headphones on and try and jam along with everything and still can't but it's fun trying that reminds me of a scene from did you ever watch the show uh, Freaks and Geeks did you ever see that at all I, no okay not enough to alright there's there was a character on there that he played drums the thing was is he played drums poorly he, the thing was is he did not realize it and there was a lot of times where uh, well this, just to kind of set it up the one day they go into his garage and he's got like it's like about four drum kits put together as one because his favorite, favorite drummer is uh, uh, Neil from Rush yeah Neil Pert yeah Neil Pert so Fort, Fort Kickass so <laughs> so they have a thing one day where they started up uh, at the beginning of the show he's got his headphones on and I don't remember which Rush song was playing but you know he's drumming along to the music nah, nah, nah. and they cut away and pull back on the shot so there, you can hear no music and it's him playing the drums and it is terrible it is not in time at all and it's just kind of all over the place and it's Pretty, it's pretty funny. So if you ever get a chance, you may ought to just loan you the DVD. But but watching it's pretty funny. But uh, <laughs> and of course, gone. Whatever point I was going to make, it was just gone. But yeah, um, that was the thing I guess for us earlier. Right? Yeah, since we didn't have the internet, is especially to me, I kind of got into music early, but I didn't know what direction I wanted to go at first because I knew I was kind of tired of like the whole 
you know, popular music, that everything was out there. So at one point I started to slowly get into the Grateful Dead, and I honestly, I can tell you, well, their, their music was good, as much as I kind of want to thumb my nose at Jerry Garcia in some ways. <laughs> their music was pretty He's good. He's dead, man. <laughs> Jerry He's Garcia's dead. dead. Can you believe it in your head? Jerry Garcia's dead. But, uh... So I started getting in their music a little bit, but the, the, they had, like, skulls and stuff on their album and skeletons on there. So I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. But then I started getting in and, you know, trying to investigate more. And at that point, there was still... I don't know if you remember or not. Do you remember Stardust Records in Finley? No. It was, like, a real record shop. They actually would have... Remember, there's something where Finders used to be, or... Yeah, that was always Finders. Yeah, okay, but I don't know. This was in that uh, that small strip mall right across from the main mall. It was in there. Like, right after that mini mall opened, it was in there. I think it was there for, I don't know, a couple of years, and then it went out of business. The only reason I got to go in there is because my dad, my dad had beta, and they had a shit ton of beta movies you could rent. So that was the only reason I got to go in there all the time. But they had... And actually, this is where I started buying a lot of my first punk albums. Because once I got in there, and, well, two things happened. I discovered that, you know, I wanted to get into different kinds of music. And then I discovered skateboarding around the same time. And then Thrasher Magazine, you always had the advertisements for, like, suicidal tendencies and Dogtown tied in. And then there was always bands like Megadeth would always advertise their new album coming out, Thrasher. So that was how I started taking that direction. So I went in. And I think the first album I ever got was probably the self-titled Suicidal Tendencies album, which just blew my mind. I shot Reagan. That one. Institutionalized. I just wanted a Pepsi. So that that album, I mean, as much as people kind of make fun of Mike Muir, I mean, that album really sold it for me, for punk rock for me. And it was, and I think... Yeah, I heard, I heard that in the early 90s, too. That was when... Moved out of Fostory and up to the big rough city of Toledo. See, this would have been about a couple of years, and this would have been about eighty six or eighty seven for me. Because then uh, I bought, I think I bought Mega This So Far So Good So What that just came out. Like I said, I'm a little fuzzy on some of these, but I remember about the first five albums I bought. Because then also I had wanted the Misfits when I bought that album. I discovered that I'm like. This is a band I need to check out. So then, finally, they got in. It must have been the reissue of Walk Among Us. Because it had the black and green. I think the original was black and purple. I, I know I know. there was a couple different... Uh, I think the green was the second reissue that was on Plan 9. That they were reissues? I think. so. But, and I bought that, and then, yeah, I really was sold once. Once I bought that Walk Among Us album, then, yeah. But at any rate, at some point in that too, I had bought Black Flag. I started buying Black Flag, and I originally wanted My War first, but they had Loose Nut at Finders, which I started going to Finders then at that point. So, which is a good album, still. What's that place in Bowling Green? Finders the record store. Finders. No, it used to be the. Oh, Mad Hatter. That's the one, Mad Hatter. Yeah, they're long gone. Yeah. Long gone, but. Early early nineties when I first started turning off the radio and getting into the same stuff, that was a that good was, source. That was a good spot to find records because I used to yeah we me and a buddy of mine we'd take all of our old we'd buy a bunch of stuff, go through it, decide what we really loved and what we could live without. 
So we, the stuff we could live without, we'd take up, trade it in, and go search through other used tapes in there. Because, yeah, I'd find all sorts of stuff, like uh, Murphy's Law. That's how I found Mud Honey. I found out about Mud Honey was that. And actually, before Mud Honey, I'd started listening to uh, Green River, <clears throat> the earlier in, incarnation of some of the members from Mud Honey and uh, a couple of those Seattle bands. Yeah, right. That was uh, the Seattle bands. Those were some of the things that I first got into when I went up to Toledo. Met a friend of mine. Uh, shout out to Black Bart. But uh, yeah, he, he took me in and loosened my pants up a little bit and made me relax and knocked away all the small town crud off me and introduced me to some things outside of the box and that's one of the first influences I got with all that. Kind of a dork, man. First go to college, first credit card, you know, they try to give everybody a credit card when you go to college and they was all buying like, yo, like mud honey and Fugazi and mm -hmm. and I'm getting Dire Straits greatest hits. That's a good album though. It I is. I can't hate on that. It is. I bought that at one point too. So it is, I still have. You it. see, you see, you see the differences in styles. Though, yeah. That, that and that and women like always trying to chase the punk girls around and get a piece. That introduced me to a lot of different things. Which, gladfully, one of them wasn't crotch rot, but <laughs> but that's I long that ago. It's coming long ago. It's far away. Just lucky I lived through my youth, uh, disease free with all my parts intact the way I acted sometimes. Yeah, I don't have any great stories like that, but because I was too much of a music, music and skateboard geek to. Uh, and uh, that was the thing, definitely around this area at that point, that being in, in the skateboarding or punk rock was not a cool thing as far as a lot of the females were concerned. So, so I just kept myself inside my own little world. So, jumping back to Rollins, because I just kind of wanted to point this out too. <laughs> Nine degrees of Henry Rollins. Every time we start talking about it, we well, I had a point. I had a point else. to finish with, and I just kind of. I'll shut up until you finish your point. It's all right. It's all right. I just, I just want to make sure I didn't want to be like three episodes later, be like, oh yeah, in episode two. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as I got older, I started meeting a lot of my other friends from around the area who got into punk like earlier than me, and who actually went and would see Black Flag shows because they were always. I'd always talk about, oh yeah, man, I went. And, you know, because I've seen Rollins do a lot of his uh, talking shows. I haven't seen. I was supposed to go see uh, Rollins Band in the first Lollapalooza. And they, that was out there. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately I did not get to go because I... They wouldn't let me off work and I was too responsible at this point to just be like, I quit. So I should have just went, I quit and went, but I didn't. So Because I had a couple friends that were going, so I was supposed to go with them. But at any rate, going back... I had a couple friends that had seen like Black Flag perform and had like, oh, Rollins was a dick because you know he'd steal our girlfriends and blah blah blah. And he'd have an attitude when he'd show up, and I was like, 
Well, dude, number one, I'm like, have you ever listened to Get in the Van? And I'm like, well, no. And I'm like, you know, you usually got spit on him just about every show he went to. I'm like, that pissed me off and gave me an attitude after a while. I'm like, and two, as far as showing up and stealing, you know, people's girlfriends, I'm like, m- most bands usually kind of do some version of that one way or another. So they're like, well, yeah, you know, we were all young and, you know, just full of piss and vinegar and cum. And, you know, everyone's got an attitude and one fight. I'm like, well, yeah. I'm like, he's not that dude anymore. And I'm like, well, hell, none of us are really as far as. I'm like, he's mellowed out a lot. You talking to me? <laughs> no, no, I'm just. Actually, the friend I'm referencing, who I'm not going to mention his name, he kind of follows more. But, you talk uh, about me like that, I'll kick your ass. <laughs> right here on this podcast, we'll throw down. Better pack a lunch. <laughs> right. Sardines. <laughs> You're going to smell it. So. <laughs> But despite, I had never seen the attitude part of it because, like I said, any dealings I'd ever had with him personally, because even up in Cleveland when I was waiting outside the show, because the first time I saw him, I was like, holy shit, he's short. But, uh, because that was the Yeah, he's he's short. He's, Danzig, I think, is the only person that's shorter than him. Oh, I, I forgot what he was talking about there for a second. Yeah. Rollins, continue. Yes. I'm sorry, I said I'd shut up. <laughs> and here, right, because he came out and he's like, because it was February and it was it was colder and all, you know. It was I don't think it was below zero, but it was probably zero, and it was right there on. Uh, man, I'm having a bad day. <laughs> right there by the river. What the hell do they call that in Cleveland? Uh, uh, pavilion. Um, it's uh, yeah. They have a special name for it. I can't remember it. I'll remember it in five minutes. Yeah, it's, uh, the uh, if anybody from Cleveland's listening. Nautica. There, n- no. With, well, the, the, well, it's the flats. Area. The flats, yes, the flats that's it. The flats. But, but, uh, uh, the clubs down there. It was the like Odeon. I saw him at the Odeon. Okay. Yeah, there was the one place I saw him at. But at any rate, yeah, he had walked by and said, "He goes, oh, he goes, I'm gonna try and get you guys in." He goes, "It's too cold to be standing out here." Club still wouldn't let us in, but it was just nice that he cared enough. And he even some kid ran up to him and hugged him, and he still hugged him. So, but uh, yeah, he wasn't the hard ass that you know everyone always made him out to be. That now, from what I've heard from Danzig, I'm glad I've never met Danzig. <laughs> I've not heard any good stories about you've never actually even though you've to give a little bit of a backstory, I won't mention like specific names but Chris play, has played in a band before that has opened for some national acts yeah Dan, Danzig was one of them you never got and, to meet him though did you oh not really probably you, you probably got to meet Doyle didn't you yeah I still had a like a guitar pick Doyle is one of those guys. He seems just really gracious and just loves to meet the fans from what and just meet people. As far as what I've been able to tell, well, you know, it's now seeing videos like now that we have YouTube and stuff like that, and yeah. there's videos of him getting knocked out and doing dick things, and you know, just yeah, he's yeah. pretty. He's pretty walled off from the opening acts, obviously. That's kind of for what a I was reason. Guessing. Like it, like like every. Anybody else we've ever played with, you can at least meet, you know, I said. Well, yeah, at least most acts at, at least, least kind of poke their heads in and like, hey, guys, or just whatever, and then leave at least. That usually at least seems usual protocol, at least. You know, Dello, Biafra, you know, is at least able to say, hey, how you doing to him? But, you know, I kind of looked at me in my little group, kind of. What the hell are you people trying to do, man? Like, <laughs> yeah. I think I think you could tell right away we wasn't meant to last that much longer. And 
He was right, but it was a good time while it was going. Yeah. But, but yeah, like I said, Henry, I, I was always, despite what other people said about him, he was always seemed pretty gracious to me. And like I said, I've, he's been a big influence to me as far as writing and everything else. So that was, I guess, the what I was trying to, my point I was trying to make in a nutshell. And that, and I'm glad I have not met Danzig because I can still appreciate him without being like, man, that dude's a dick. Because I had, I think I told you this story, but I'll go ahead and tell it for the benefit of the podcast. Because it sounds like there's a lot of stories like it out there. I had a buddy of mine. He he was one of, actually when I first started getting into more music, he kind of introduced me more to the metal end of stuff. He introduced me to like Slayer. Because he was like, well here, if you like this band, check out this album. It was Slayer's Rain and Blood. And he was right. It was fucking awesome. It's still one of my favorite albums of all time. So he, him and I were both huge Misfits fans. And actually, usually him and I would go to Mad Hatter's just to look for misfit bootlegs half the time. And usually it was a fight if there was just one over who was going to get it. I think I do remember probably paper, rock, scissors being used more than once to get, you know, like a bootleg special edition, moldy, white, and blue vinyl, you know. So, but at any rate, he uh, he moved to Columbus after he graduated high school. And one of the comic shops was having like a uh, signing because Danzig had launched his uh, Veronica comic brand. So Danzig was there doing signing. Well, chat had taken... Well, I'm just, yeah, I hope chat doesn't mind that I use his name. But chat had taken all of his uh, his misfit stuff like in his arms to have Glenn hopefully at least sign something of it. Glenn sees him standing there in line and goes, I ain't signing any of that shit. I didn't make a dime off of any of it. So Chad just kind of put his shit down, and I don't, I don't know if Chad, I don't remember if Chad left or if he went and at least bought a comic or something. But yeah, that was that was the general tone set for right off the bat. So yeah, because he was Chad was probably just a slightly bigger fanboy than I was at that point. But yeah, I'm sure that changed. And yeah, the most recent video I've seen of Dan Zig was uh, the one I think he was singing "Devil's Play" thing or something. It was one of his slower songs. And he sees a guy in the audience that has his camera phone up, and he does the finger finger waggle thing at him, like no, no, no. And then like half after half a second later, he gets done singing the lyric, and he's like, "Everybody beat that guy's ass right there." And you hear a crowd go, and then it shuts off soon afterwards. So, <laughs> so and then there's always the infamous uh, uh, Danny from Northside Kings knocking him out. Video, yeah, classic. Yeah, I've seen that several times. I've seen. There's been some people that have like uh, even re-edited dialogue in it just so. So hey, hey. how are you? <laughs> okay, how are you? So this is completely off the subject, and actually, we're actually running over for time, but I wanted to cover this real quick. Have you seen the Shia LaBeouf motivational video? No. Oh man, you I've need heard to, of, I heard of done something need, like bat, there's like Batman. Video yeah, people have done. All right, cause apparently it, there was a uh, acting school in London, I believe, was doing a project, and uh, Shia LaBeouf said, "Yeah, I'll I'll be a part of it." And basically, what they wanted their students to do was make short motivational speeches, and they were going to have Shia combine it all into one great big long dialogue in front of a green screen and he was going to act it out. So, 
Doing it in front of a green screen almost makes me think they just wanted this thing to just take off on YouTube eventually. Because, yeah, ever, since then people have put him in the the Batman vs. Superman trailer, uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh, there's been a couple other ones I've seen. But, yeah, he's got... he's He, he looks like he's half crazy in it. But he's just like, just do it! And he does this weird hand gestures with it as well. And he's like, you said you were going to be something yesterday, and that was tomorrow. So why are you still just standing there? Just do it. Now, the thing is, like, I think it's like 35 minutes long, the original. I've not watched the whole original. I've watched about, I think I made it about as far as eight minutes, but that's that's enough. So, But yeah, if you get a chance, check it out, because it's, it's, watch the original, and then watch... Because when you pull it up on YouTube, it's got all the re-edits along the sidebar, too, that you can check out. So, it is hilarious. So. That's something I've always wanted to do, but haven't learned yet. Like, uh, the... Get on YouTube? Oh, no, no, like, the uh, video... Video re-editing? Green, uh, editing's I'm okay with, but the whole green screen thing, I'm thinking between, uh... The, some of the video editing programs I have should be able to you got, yeah, do that. Yeah. But. I know, I just, as fun as it sounds, I don't have that much time to waste anymore. I wish I did. Absolutely. That's, and I, I, I can't use my time at work anymore to uh, look into these things. I actually have to do work when I'm at work, so it sucks. I know. I, I, I know. That's, well, yeah. Not, we're not, like I said, we won't mention the company, but yes, Chris and I work at the same place and, we we'll say we used to have more available free time that they didn't care as much as long as you got your job done. If you did, because like I used to be able to, well, actually, I would say probably about half of the Sacred Cows album probably got wrote at work, <laughs> or at least the initial idea got wrote down on paper at work, and then I'd finish it at home. So, but yeah, we don't have that kind of. Well, they don't allow us to have that kind of time anymore. So, yeah, well, first world problems, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, you're just lucky you have a job. job blah, 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 blah. All right. Yeah, so. not the one that you have. All right. Well, I guess we're going to wrap it up because we're not quite at an hour yet, but we're closing pretty fast. So I guess I don't have anything else much to wrap up. Do you? you got anything else to, you want to bring up before I close it down? Stop, drop, open up shop? Nope. I'm just ready to put this one on wax. All right. So with that being said... Episode 2 is coming out of close. I am the Knight Rider. I am a fuel-injected suicide machine. And we are out.